Hey guys, and welcome to Blessed and Grateful, a spiritual-based uh, recovery podcast where we talk about uh, spirituality in the daily life and specifically how it pertains to uh, living in recovery, right, and uh, living a sober lifestyle. Um, Blessed and Grateful is uh, brought to you by Plugged In Recovery. If you or somebody that you love are looking for a safe and licensed sober living home to help um, in their journey of, of obtaining sobriety and, and living in the solution, uh, visit www.azsober.com um, and, and reach out. Uh, there are uh, multiple houses in the Chandler-Gilbert area, uh, both male and female. Uh, we'd love to uh, have a chat and, and see if we can help you out. Now, um, today, very exciting, very exciting. It is our very first episode ever. We have uh, Jonah, friend of the pod, joining us this morning. Um, yeah, help me welcome Jonah. Thank you so much, Eric. Glad to be here. Definitely a friend of the podcast, the people behind the scenes. Definitely grateful to be here, man. Yeah, great. Now, um, Jonah, why don't you just give us a quick intro, kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and, uh, and we'll get into things. Yeah, so my name is Jonah. I'm in recovery. I have been since November 10th of 2016. Definitely super grateful for that. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I follow God and uh, I, I went through the 12 steps myself. That's how I found recovery myself and, uh, you know, did the treatment thing, did the sober living thing. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at today and what, what got me here. Nice, nice. Well, happy to have you here, man. I've known you for the entire time I've been uh, on my own recovery journey, you played a huge part in things. So definitely, uh, definitely blessed, you know, to, to have you here for our very first episode. Now, um, you know, just kind of getting into things. I mean, why don't you tell us just a little bit about, you know, what life was like before recovery, before finding God, and um, what led you to eventually going into a treatment center and, and seeking help? Yeah, absolutely. So I. Uh... I mean, life was just miserable, right? For a lot of you who are listening, who have you know probably been through addiction or alcoholism, like life was just absolutely miserable, right? I always like to talk about how you know my worldview was like as if you were to look down through a straw, you know, and it's like super small, you know, and you can't see nothing. That was what my worldview was like before coming in here. Very narrow-minded, very um, miserable, closed-minded person, right? Um, and uh, I lived that way since I was a kid, to be honest with you. Um, suffered from anxiety and depression my whole life. Um, and when you walk around just constantly under tension, feeling uncomfortable, something's got to give, right. right? You're going to eventually find something that's going to take away that pain and relieve you from it. And uh, so I discovered drugs and alcohol at about 15 or 16 years old. Um, and that seemed in the beginning to, uh, you know, promise me the relief of all these problems that I had. Right. It gave me the confidence that I couldn't muster up myself. Um, it gave me like joy and peace, you know, joy and peace uh, that I couldn't muster up myself. It gave me all these things, all these promises. Um, and so there was like this false sense of security when I found drugs and alcohol. Oh, this is the way out. I can finally feel like I'm that uh, I'm, I'm that person smiling at the restaurant that I see, you know, on the other side of the restaurant when I'm out to eat. And I'm not just a miserable uh, you know, person that I've always been. I finally right. feel like I'm like everybody else. Yeah. And so drugs and alcohol is what did it for me. And um, just the more I delved into that route, the more I fell further and further into the drugs and the alcohol, just the more miserable like uh, miserable I became. 
the more and more all the, the, the ways I was taught right from wrong and all the morals that I had, etc., that just, uh, it didn't matter anymore. What became most important was just me feeling better. And it didn't matter if you were in the way. It didn't matter if I had to do the wrong thing. It didn't matter if I was going to regret it later. I just needed to feel better right now because how I felt right now was just so miserable. Right. And, and, then, and yeah. you know, uh, just to chime in here, when going through all of this, um, in your upbringing, did you have God in your life? Did you have a religious upbringing or what did that look like as well? I had no God in my life. Um, I had no God in my life at all. In fact, I, I took the, the typical addict route and I said, if there was a God, he, he's sure not very helpful, you know, <laughs> because I looked at my life and I said, well, you know, if God's all loving, then why am I where I'm at? Right? right. Not realizing that, well, it's, I didn't even want the help in the first place, right. nor would any parent give their kids something that they're not going to be grateful for. So why would he give me recovery, sobriety, you know, whatever. Um, so I had no God. And in fact, I, I was, uh, I was a pretty staunch, angry atheist. So, um, well, yeah, no. And I, and I think that's true for, for so many people. Um, when you get to that point in your life, regardless of what your upbringing was, you, you eventually in your addiction, um, you, you get to a point where it's almost as if, you know, everything is happening to you and you can't really recognize that, um, that it could really be a blessing in disguise and God's still working in your life, whether you recognize it or not. Um, but, uh, that, that's great, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I know you know, just from knowing you, but why don't we talk about it for, for all of our listeners here, a little bit about when you decided to um, seek help, what that looked like, um, and, you know, if you went to a treatment center, and, and how did you get introduced to recovery, and, and what did that process look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, being introduced to recovery was not a fun process. Um, it never is, right? It came with a lot of humiliations and things like that. So like, you know, I, this was my fifth time in treatment, right? Which is where I actually found recovery is my fifth time in rehab amongst psych wards and halfway houses and stuff like that. Um, you know, so ba basically what it was, was I just didn't want to be homeless again. So I just, I had like a really selfish motive for why I was going to treatment, which I had pretty much had every other time I went to treatment. Um, but for some reason, this time, God being God, like, you know, even though I didn't want to acknowledge there was one, God being God, um, I heard enough in that treatment center, was willing to hear enough for that seed to be planted. And so uh, it just kind of started to grow against my, against my will. And so that's kind of how I discovered recovery in God and this whole spiritual thing and AA and all that fun stuff. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, and... Um... I think that's true for a lot of us kind of touching on what we uh, touched on a little earlier is that, you know, and, and this is true for me as well, where, you know, we come, we usually come in at a pretty low point. I don't know too many people who are entering recovery, like on a hot streak, you know, um, and, and in those times, you know, it's very, very easy to dismiss uh, these kind of things as blessings, even though once you get some time under your belt and you build a relationship with God, you can kind of recognize that, hey, sometimes, you know, God's discipline is what we needed at that time to get the help that we need or to build a better connection with him. But it's very, you're very short-sighted when you're in the, the midst of addiction and, and being put into those situations where 
either your family's forcing you to go to recovery or you have legal problems pushing you towards that. And it's not necessarily something that you're choosing on your own to do. Um, but a lot of the time, you know, if we, you know, try to work a program and, uh, you know, build a relationship with God, we can, uh, hopefully look back and see, see those as, as blessings and uh, turning points for us. Um, now, why don't we just kind of get into the solution? Um, we like to focus more on just what life is like now, um, how God's working in your life now. Um, I'm just curious to, to see, you know, when, when you first got into recovery, what did that look like for you? Um, like, what did you have some sort of like burning bush moment of when, when you kind of accepted God into your life? Or was it more of something that, you know, with some time and, and repetition, you kind of geared more towards living on a more spiritual basis? So a little bit of both. There was, there was an initial experience that I had, and then that kind of sparked the flame. And then the rest of the process has been me trying to fan that flame and keep it going, right? Um, which, you know, by the grace of God has been successful so far. Um, so I had, a, I had an experience in treatment. I had this total breakdown where I was so miserable and so upset just at the, you know, the circumstances of my life and uh, that I found myself like in my room having myself a pity party uh, in, in, my, in my rehab, right? And, um, and kind of without even realizing it, almost as if it was muscle memory. And I say this without like, like honestly, like I was a, I could tell like, you know, another time how much of an atheist I truly was, how angry I truly was. But I had this moment where almost as if muscle memory, uh, I found myself on my knees praying, you know, and I just said, if, if you're even there, if you're real, please help me like through tears and just pain. And so that opened the door. So that's where I found God. Right. After that, there was just things that kept happening that were, that weren't happening prior to that. So I couldn't call them coincidences. Right. I was a very analytical person. So there was no way that I was just going to justify and rationalize these things as, coincidences because these were things that were just lining up too perfectly in my life after I had that moment, you know, what it looks like now though, um, kind of fast forward is my whole recovery has just been a journey to try to get closer to God. Um, because that's what I've been taught is the, uh, is the answer to all my problems, you know? Um, and in fact, in a weird way, I think we, I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, I've been looking for God all my life. I've been looking for purpose. I've been looking for a sense of direction. I've been looking for self-esteem, but it was always towards, you know, Legos, girls, sports when I was a kid. And then it became drugs and alcohol and other unhealthy behaviors. I've always been looking for purpose and, and those kinds of things. Um, lo and behold, it was God all along that had that. So, you know, that's kind of where it's at now. And if I, and if I stay... What I've tried to do in my sobriety is when I stay connected to those experiences and I continue to do the things that create those experiences, helping other people, you know, prayer meditation, right? Um, you know, having my alone time with God, but also like, you know, carrying the message to those who are still struggling, um, sharing those moments of gratitude with friends and family who are, you know, whether they're with God or not, um, that keeps it going. And so... I have that purpose today, despite whatever goes on in my life and how life throws you curveballs and things change and the gain and loss of jobs, the gain and loss of loved ones, that purpose has never gone away. Um, that sense of like belonging has never gone away, you know, despite, again, the loss of friends and whatever because of the, uh, of the addictions and whatnot. 
None of that's gone away. That's something that drugs and alcohol could never do for me. Right. You know, I had to have more, but then with the more that I needed came more regret and shame and guilt. Right. Which more drugs and alcohol couldn't fix because with it just came more regret and shame. Right. Right. And, and to kind of touch on that too, right. Uh, often you hear it being said that recovery is the opposite of, uh, the opposite of addiction is connection. Right. And, um, that's what you kind of find, uh, in recovery is that fellowship, um, maybe can you can you just touch on that a little bit on you know just being in recovery, being in the community. I know also um, you work in the industry as well. Kind of just touch on how that's played a role in uh, helping you with your relationship with you know God as well as just uh, you know your path of recovery in general. Yeah, so I found that God, at least from what I've seen, just my experience is God works in one of three ways, right? Is, is either circumstances, intuition, or through people, right? Um, or all three or a combination, you know, whatever, right? God's God and God, you know, is whatever. And, and a lot of the times it's been working through people. That's why I stay plugged into my fellowship and people who have been through what I've been through because uh, that keeps me connected to my truth, you know, when I'm around people like yourself and other people, I can't, I'm not the only, I don't have the luxury of like getting my own bright ideas again of you know, how to live life unhealthily and whatnot. Um, Cause when I'm spiritually sick, my, my natural instinct is to seek comfort and like quickly. But if I'm around other people that can keep me connected to my truth, I stay grounded. And uh, so there's, the, there's that sense of belonging, you know? Right. And then, and then it's also too, like, you know, I'm not always going to be at my best. And so I need other people like yourself and others to bounce things off of and, and point things out to me. And I've had the fellowship save me countless times, you know, uh, friends and family in the spiritual thing, like tell me some cold, hard truths about myself, things that I don't notice myself that I absolutely needed to hear. Right. That saved my life and they cut deep and they hurt. And I was upset in the moment, but those were the things that saved my life. And I've only found that through the fellowship. Because I can't see past my own justifications and rationalizations. Right. I can't console myself. <laughs> How am I going to be my own therapist, my own sponsor, my own pastor, my own? Right. I can't do. I need other people to be those roles. You know. Right. No, and that and that's so true. And uh, you know, it's always great talking with people who are working a strong program, and, and they kind of always have the same type of response to that question, right? As far as you know, above all else, we have to be seeking uh, a relationship with God, right? And, and truly asking him to, to show us what his will uh, for us is and then doing our best to live within that. But a lot of the time, um, you know, it comes down to iron sharpens iron, right? As yeah. man sharp as man. Um, and, and we do need that fellowship here, uh, and, and especially in recovery, um, to you know keep us on that right path as well and give us a second set of eyes on things. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on this too, uh, because what I found just from, you know, speaking with people that I know personally in recovery, um, you know, routine, you know, routine is always something that's very big. Um, I know for, for me personally, um, having a routine where I have set aside times throughout my day to spend with God, not only to pray, but to be still meditate and try to, uh, receive as well. And so I just, I was just curious, you know, what does that look like for you um, on a daily basis as far as setting aside time for God, making a conscious effort to be still and to, to seek his guidance and, and his uh, wisdom? 
So yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's the disciplines, right? You know, it's staying connected to that experience, which again goes back to the fellowship, just to connect those two topics there. Like that's part of the reason why I stay so connected to the fellowship because it keeps me reminded of my truth about what it means to be an addict and an alcoholic. You know, where at any given moment none of this is promised and it can be snatched away from me if I let let up on my routines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know. I, I, to this day, it's still that thing of like spiritual disciplines come first and foremost, right? I do everything I can to prioritize those before I do anything else in my day. However, having a relationship with God today, I also do know that part of living in God's will is playing the hand that you're dealt. And there is some times where life comes up and I'm not able to do things the way that I want to do them, right. you know? Um, and so I just play the hand that I'm dealt. And, and so sometimes that means that um, you know, maybe I don't get to say that 20 minute prayer or so, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, God knows my heart. And so, um, those disciplines, it's the prayer meditation every day, multiple times a day. It's the readings, you know, for scripture, which doesn't need to be everybody's path, but that's, that's sometimes my, uh, my, my go-to other spiritual books. Mm-hmm. I even read psychological books too, just for an right. extra perspective right. and making that a part of my discipline. And that's more important than everything else. Right. No. And, and that's great, you know, because and that's true for me as well. I, and I, I like to tell this to people, especially if they're newer um, in recovery and that the topic comes up where, you know, if we're, you know, working an earnest program, um, a, a big aspect of that is that we're, we're constantly growing in our in our faith and relationship with God above all else. Right. And everything other uh, past that is, is I, I wouldn't say subsidiary, but it would be uh after your your relationship with God is right, because you know we we can't transmit something that we that we have in God, and so just making sure every day that that we are living on on a spiritual basis that you know allows us to go out and and help and enrich the lives of others. So um, that's great, man. That's great. Well, even with that, um, like the things that I get from God. Well, material things too. Uh, like those are not meant to be the end all be all. Right. Right. You know, they're, they're nice and they're great. And, and that's cool too, you know, and especially if you're new in recovery, right? Your first car, your first job, your first paycheck, like all that stuff. It's great. But it's, it's like, it's, it's easy to start to worship the gifts instead of the, the, the creator. Right. Correct. Um, because those things, those gifts are meant to just bring me closer to God and, they're given to me to then carry out his will even further. If I'm given the car, now I can drive guys to meetings. Now I can be of service, help people move, et cetera, whatever. Um, if I make it about just me and like my, my plans and designs, I'm back where I started, where I'm just concerned about what does Jonah want to do? How does Jonah want to live his life? And I expect other people to get out of the way. So they don't interrupt my plans. Right, right. It makes more sense. Yeah, and and I and I'm I, and I love that you kind of pointed that out um, because that's something that's so important. Because you're right, uh, a lot of the time, you know, we come into situations where maybe we're going into treatment, we go into sober living afterwards. Usually, we're not in the best situations in those times, but when we're doing the right thing and, and we're working a program, we do start seeing those promises come true in our lives, and we start 
you know, getting some money in our accounts and, you know, getting vehicles and whatnot. And when that time comes, you are given that choice where am I going to use these resources that were given to me that, that I was blessed with to then go and give so freely what was given to me? Right. Or am I going to take these uh, blessings and then use them for self? Right. And and not recognize them as blessings and, and, and create that narrative in our head that, well, I did. Look what I did, you know, rather than look what was what look what I'm blessed with. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a perspective that, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times you just kind of learn that by making those mistakes um, and, and living through those. I know that. Um, you know, years back, I was in a very similar situation where, um, you know, I was given so much and, and didn't give back. Right. And then, um, you know, sometimes those things get taken from you. But so, Jonah, um, I, I know you work in the recovery industry. How does that work as far as uh, being able to reach out to, to newcomers? Um, how are you able to kind of help them in that capacity in your role at a uh, treatment center in the recovery industry? Yeah, so I just remember how impactful certain staff were when I was in treatment. And it was little things too. It wasn't necessarily like they gave me these huge long speeches about recovery and it wasn't even necessarily they were super wise, though some of them were. It was more like they were a friend, you know. Um, I mean, of course, they kept like work and personal and recovery life all separate, but um, they they were able to make you feel welcome. Like for people who come in who feel so de alone from other people and desolate, these staff were able to make people feel so welcome. And right, so that's kind of what I uh, attempt to do uh, working in recovery myself. And so that's how I try to be welcoming, um, make them feel like they're heard and, and, and just have a, a, you know, a place there. But also at the same time, I, I love being a part of the actual treatment process where I get to be one of the first people in their life to give them some sort of truth about their condition mm -hmm. and uh, plant a seed in some way, shape, or form. You know? Right. Right. And and I know, at least for me, when, when I do uh, maybe like an H&I or something where we go into a treatment center to carry the message, I always, before I do so, you know, send a little prayer, you know, God, like, you know, speak through me, right? Um, and, and really seek to make sure that the message that I'm carrying is is in alignment with what, you know, God would want. And um, what does that look like for you? Do you have something similar where you, um, in, in your capacity, do you try to, um, you know, have God speak through you and, and make sure that you're in alignment with him through that process? Yeah, so that's even more than just work. Um, but yeah, especially work too, right? Because it's working in a treatment center, you're dealing with difficult personalities all day, every day, you know? So it's like trying to get out of the way and let, you know, let God speak through me and work through me um, is the goal every day. Do I make mistakes in work, outside of work? Of course, I'm human. The best I'm ever going to get is human. Um, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely try to stay out of the way. It just comes down to like, before I face work or life in general, it comes down to like my disciplines when I'm at home, right. when no one's around in my room, you know, and no one's around, like what does my relationship look like with God then? Right. right. Because that, what I do there is what carries with me out into the regular world. So when I'm at work, I'm actually able to show up, not just clock in, but like show up mm -hmm. and make an impact, you know, right. 
Um, am I able to show up for family and actually be somebody that they want around, not just the guy that can just pass the drug test? Right. Like, actually have some character now. Um, and same thing in other areas of my life, too. Right. And, and that's kind of a, a great transition into what I wanted to talk about next because um, – and you touched on it, right? And that's just spirituality in the daily life, right? Um, when we come into recovery, I, I know it's true for me and it's part of your story as well, but it's true for a lot of us that prior to uh, trying to adopt this new design for living, we didn't live um, – spirituality wasn't a big part of our lives, right? And so when we are working to relearn that, a lot of the time that work's done in the program in recovery, but eventually we, what we have and what we learn there – can be, we can take that with us, right, to our, our personal relationships with family, right, to our personal relationships with our significant others, uh, to our employers, right, and to just society as a whole. Um, and we can use those same principles um, and, and that spiritual connection in all aspects of our life. Um, what does that look like for you as far as uh, being able to clear the wreckage of your past, right, go back to all past uh, employers, family, um, significant others, uh, clear your side of the street and then live in a way where, um, you know, you're, you're amending that process through how you live your daily life. What does that look like and how big of a role does spirituality play, um, in, in that for you? I think that is the role. I think that is the only approach is the, is the God approach uh, in those areas because it was on my own unaided will, like just my own best ideas, my own ego and pride that got me into those messes. So to then take the same line of thinking and then think that that's going to repair the damage, I don't know how that would work. I'd be insane, right? Right. Um, I had a, a, speaking of staff that make an impact at, at treatment centers, one of my old um, directors at a previous treatment center I worked at, he said something that really was profound. He said, you know, the same mind that created the problem can't create the solution to the problem. Right. And it's like, whoa, dude, that just hit me, you know? And um, so, uh, you know, it's cleaning up the past and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's about, it's not necessarily like just doing it just to check the box so I can tell Mr. Sponsor that I did it, right? <laughs> um, though I've done that in the past, this was more about this separation from God, that like, you know, divine purpose that I have today. Um, having those damaged relationships hanging over me um they just it, it, it just cuts me off spiritually like i can just feel it you right. know so there was just this desperation to go back and try to clean up as much as i could uh, because i didn't want that hanging over me anymore i wanted to be free like a tr truly free because for those of you who struggle with addiction and alcoholism like you know that uh when you walk around with that much baggage, you you legitimately feel like you are physically chained up. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I legitimately feel heavier and, and do not feel okay uh, when I'm walking around with that stuff. So anything to get the weight off, anything to clear my conscience, anything to free up my spirit, that's the high that I started to chase. Because um, I remember when, through my first few steps in recovery, I started to feel that weight lift. And I was like, oh, that feels so good. You know, and I just want more of that. Um, and so now, now that um, of the amends that I can make, they're all made. Um, you know, there's people I can't find and stuff. 
But of the ones that I have made, now the goal is just to live in such a way that I'm not creating more harm for men down the road. Right. I make mistakes. I snap at people sometimes, you know, traffic, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's just what it looks like now. Right. No, and, that, and that's great. And, and as far as, you know, your personal relationships with, you know, family's always like the major one, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and those are, you know, your, your family and your closest friends. They're the ones who suffer the most um, as collateral damage when, when you're in your addiction. How has, you know, your spirituality and, and working a, a program in recovery helped you with amending those relationships? And, you know, what does that look like today? Yeah, so, like, I mean, I'm, I'm present today. So a lot of the being absent, even though I was there, is gone. Um, and I am actually am showing up to places, so there's that too. Um, but it's like, it, it's just that AA thing, right? Like I'm, I'm packing into the stream of life, right? So like when I'm showing up to these places, of course I'm there cause I'm going to have fun too. That's a piece of it. Of course, um, that's why people do anything, but it's also like, I do want to see family and I want to get closer to them and friends and same thing. And in relationships and like these relationships that I have significant other friends, family work, uh, relationships, it's not just one sided anymore. And so because of what I do at home with God, alone time, um, I generally walk around with a healthier perspective on people and what they mean to me. And so I'm just, I just feel naturally inclined to like want to be helpful. Right. Um, though I'm not perfect at it, right? Yeah. And that's the other beautiful side of it too, is that even though I make mistakes in these relationships, um, there's not regret or shame, you know? these problems are surmountable, right. you know? So it's like, I make the mistakes and it is what it is. Like it's like water on a duck. It just rolls off. Right. right. I move forward with my life and you just try to do better. Uh, somebody else uh, that I met through the fellowship. Um, I heard him say this once that, you know, my best isn't going to be the same every single day, you know? And, and, uh, you know, I do the best that I can to try to do better every day, but sometimes it's just not. And that's, where those spiritual disciplines come in, go back, make it right, do what I can, be a better person the next day, try to actually dig deep through prayer meditation, what went wrong, um, where did I go wrong, you know, what's what's going on with my perspective, you know, whatever. Um, and those are the things that kind of keep those relationships healthy. Right. No, and I love that. And you and you just touched on something that, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's often brought up, right, especially if you work uh, any sort of a 12-step program, it's meditation. Right. And I think uh, for me and for countless others, when you are introduced to the concept of meditation, you know, we go on we go online and there's guided meditations. They're like, oh, these ones have sounds. These ones don't. And what, you know, through the discipline of just, you know, slowing down and trying to be in that present moment, we kind of learn a little bit more about what meditation looks like for the individual. Um, but could you maybe touch on that, how that looks like in your life, um, in how, if you had any tips or was given any sort of advice that helped you kind of grasp that concept of meditation, especially, you know, if, for maybe a prospective newcomer that's listening. Yeah. So like meditation, like, you know, I was given a lot of advice and a lot of tips and a lot of opinions and stuff. Um, honestly, the best advice though that I got was it's, and it actually says it in one of the, uh, our recovery literatures is it says that it's an individual journey and, and you know, there's no real confines to it. Like you just, you take it wherever it's going to take you. Right. Um, I'm not at all going to pretend to be that I'm an expert 
um, or pretend that I'm an expert on meditation or prayer or anything. I just do what I do. Um, and so meditation, it is, it is bringing that stillness into my life, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it's, it's the scripture, be still and know that I am God, right? Yeah. So when I'm in that stillness, because the future is, uh, is ego, right? The past is pride and, and, you know, or however you want to look at it. That's how I look at it. Um, but in the present moment, you know, when I'm in that moment, I'm meditating, like I'm not being dishonest. I'm not living in fear. I'm not resentful in that moment. Um, my, I'm focusing on God, or at least I'm right. trying to. So that meditation is important because then that carries with me into my days. Correct. Yeah. Especially the more I bring it into my, uh, bring it into my life, the more frequent I do it, the longer I do it. And it's difficult because your mind wanders, and then I've got an ego, and I, and I, my mind wanders to the things that I should have done or that I shouldn't have done, because um, that's just what the disease is. That's just yeah. that's just what it does. It tries to lie to you and tell you that you know there's things there that aren't there, um, but uh, it's just being in that stillness. I'm here. I'm right now. Right. You know, and that's it. Right. And I, and I think, you know, that's such the beautiful thing about meditation, right? Because I started out from square one, right? Never had any experience of just trying to be still in a present moment, right? And, and ground myself in that moment of time. And, you know, through the consistent practice of meditation, what I found is a lot of the time what meditation looks like for me is just simply becoming hyper aware of this present moment in time right like you said i'm i'm disengaging from the future i'm releasing the past and i'm focusing on the fact that right now i'm living and i'm breathing in this moment right and becoming aware of that because you know throughout my day if i'm not you know checking myself and trying to take pausing when agitated, right? And like taking some time when I'm starting to get worked up, I start just going so far into the future, right? Of what's going to happen that you forget the basic things of like, I'm here right now. I'm a living, breathing thing. I'm, I'm right. Like this is life. This is real, right? What's what I'm trying to think about in the future is not necessarily real. It may not happen, but right now it's right. So, you know, through the practice of meditation that helps us get grounded in that present moment. And, and really it opens us up to receiving what God is trying to tell us. Right. And we can't always see what God's will for us would be if we're just constantly trying to, to, to take action ourselves to fix a problem that we can't fix. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think that's super important. So I love that we, we touched on that and Kind of just to segue here a little bit, what I wanted to touch on, because a lot of the time, um, and I know this was this was very true for me, but when I first, you know, started to try to get into recovery, right, especially like square one, like what treatment center do I go to? Like, like I, it's when you, when you're not in the recovery community, it's very daunting and you don't know who to call. You don't know how the process works. You're like sober living. Like you, you think everything's just like a halfway house, right? Like all of these things, right. That, you know, you just don't know. Um, maybe let's take some time for the, maybe the newcomer or somebody who's just trying to learn a little bit more about recovery and, you know, if you could maybe just from the first person perspective, just go back and tell yourself, um, you know, what recovery is like, how it's changed your life uh, as it pertains to you. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, tell us what that would look like and, um, you know, what you would say to yourself. 
there's so much I would say. Knowing how busy my mind was when I first got sober, um, in hindsight, knowing just how squirrely I was and like fear-driven and anxiety-driven person I was, I'd probably keep it really simple and just ask myself, are you tired of wanting or are you tired of having what you have? You know, keep it simple. I could not wrap my head around recovery. I could not wrap my head around actual peace or surrender your joy. I could not wrap my head around well, this alone, let alone anything else. <laughs> uh, I simply was just miserable with what I had. It was the only thing I could comprehend. It was the only thing I really knew. Everything else I thought I knew, it fell out from under me right. um, as far as what life is really about and stuff like that. All these ideas that I had just completely just disappeared. Belief systems that were unhealthy and betrayed me. I, everything fell out from under me. The only thing that I could really do was uh, is just not want what I had. And so that's probably what I would ask myself is just to not want what I have. And then the other thing too, like what treatment center, you know, yeah. <laughs> dude, I don't know. Like <laughs> I think I honestly, this is just, and then again, this is like my opinion, obviously um, for what it's worth. I'm a, a former homeless heroin addict. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. I think that like, you know, typically at least for me, every time that I even contemplated help, it was just as simple as that. There was an initial hunch that, like, I need to do something different. But following that would be my ego deciding what type of help that looked like. Do I want to do inpatient? Nah, because I need my phone. I'm, I got busy. I got stuff I got to do. Maybe I'll do IOP, but not, not IOP, like, five days. Maybe I'll do three days a week. <laughs> like, you know, I, I had all these terms and conditions on what help looked like. So I think my advice as far as picking the right treatment center or just, like, what route to go in general is just all those terms and conditions, the what-ifs and all that, Lay that aside. That hunch came from God. It came from something bigger than you. And all it said was, you need to get help. You right. need to do something different. Follow that wherever it's going to take you. Don't question it. Um, because when I started to put all these little like asterisks on it in terms and conditions, fine print kind of stuff, then I started to have trouble. Because right. now I'm playing God again. Like It's like that whole thing of like I want help, but I'm going to dictate what that help looks like. Right. And so, like, how's that going to – it's just me doing it again. So. Right. Well, no, that's great, man, and, and um, such a great message to, you know, not only people who are, you know, looking to get into recovery, but maybe people who have some experience in the program that um, are trying to find their way back. I know from my personal experience, um, relapse is a part of my story, and, and I found it harder to come back rather than to get started. And I think um, that's true for a lot of people that getting getting sober and living in recovery, um, you know, sometimes can be easier than falling off and having to get back on the, the wagon, right? And get back into things. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and watching our very first episode of Blessed and Grateful. We are a weekly podcast where we're gonna talk about spirituality and how that helps us grow on our recovery journeys. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, Jonah, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, you played a huge role in uh, my recovery and so many others, and we're truly blessed to have you come on board today and help us kick this thing off. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have you on the pod again in the future. Absolutely. But, um, you know, guys, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next week. May God keep and bless you until then.